Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. <laughs> Y'all are excited bunch this morning. Shikabase, <laughs> John chapter 12, if you have your Bibles. <laughs> John chapter 12. <laughs> Whoo, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. His goodness. Taste and see this morning, and the Lord is good. John chapter 12. We find here in John chapter 12, I read this a couple of weeks ago, but we, we find in John chapter 12 an interesting community at work. <laughs> Look around you. There's an interesting community at work here at this place. There's an uncommon, my message, uncommon community. There's an uncommon community in the body of Christ. An uncom- There's a bunch of uncommon connections here this morning. Yeah, you've got people here this morning that are ex-drug addicts, that are clean, that are sober, that are on the highway of holiness. You've got people here this morning that are successful business people, that, that have never touched a drug in their life, but they're clean, and they're sober, and they're on the highway of holiness this morning. Thank you, Jesus. There's all, there's all you've got people that have different backgrounds, different different uh, family backgrounds and dynamics. This is, this is the uncommon church of Christ. This is the unusual body of Christ. It's the unlikelies. It's the misfits. It's the band of, of misfits. The, the island of misfit toys that nobody wanted. That nobody thought anything good could come out of that. Yeah, that's what that is. That's the work of Christ. Yeah, if you think you're somebody this morning, then you're nobody. You're you're still on the other island. You haven't moved over to the island of misfits. You haven't realized yet that you're broken and in need of a savior. But but when you're there, when you're in that place on the island, you you're happy to be there because you've realized the master creator is at work on your life. And that's that's really that's really what we see in John 12 with Jesus' triumphant entry. It's a, it's a bunch of diverse people with diverse backgrounds and diverse experiences, and they've all come together, and they're what? Hosanna! Jesus! The, the Savior, they're shouting out, they're declaring, God, come save us! Send us a Savior! And they're, they're shouting out. Yeah, that's, that's, that sounds familiar. That, that ought to be what what our lives are like as the body of Christ. We ought to be a, a triumphant procession. Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians. He says that, but thanks be to God who, is, who in Christ always leads us in what? Triumphant procession through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere we go. Everywhere that you and I go are, ought to be the fragrance of Christ. 
Amen. There ought to be a, there ought to be a smell coming off of you. <laughs> I'm not talking about body odor. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the fragrance of Christ. He's dripping with the oils of gladness this morning. He's dripping with the fragrance of joy. You, have you ever been around somebody who's dripping with the fragrance of disgust and despair? You ever been around somebody who's dripping with depression? There's a smell coming off of them. You, you may not tangibly smell it, but there's, and then although you might, but, but there, there's a fragrance. They're emitting a fragrance. But if you've been around somebody who's happy and joyful and loves the Lord and loves His presence, there's, there's, a, there's a fragrance that they're emitting. There's a, something tangible coming off of their life. And this, this, this triumphant procession, there is something tangible happening in the city. There is, there is an upheaval in the city. Matthew 21 says that the whole city was stirred. They were, the, the people had come into such community. They were in such fellowship. There was such joy and excitement over Jesus who was, who was riding in, this conquering king, riding in on a donkey. The whole city had gotten stirred up. You know, people say, well, you know, pastor, they, you know, we're not used to, you know, this, this region isn't used to this joy thing. This region's not used to the people falling on the floor and the tongues thing is just not real popular around here. You got to come up with a different style. <laughs> and they're not used to it. I don't know any other style. This is biblical style. I just, it's Bible style. I don't know anything else. <laughs> it just happens to be okay. You know, whatever. And, well, the whole city gets stirred. Well, good. They need to get stirred. They need to be stirred. They're getting stirred with uh, drugs and alcohol and all sorts of addictions and promiscuity and bondage. Let's, let's get stirred. A anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm looking at people this morning who know what I'm talking about, who are living it, who are living epistles, testifying of the goodness of God, testifying that His power works, that what we preach and teach and believe works and transforms lives. <laughs> the whole city was stirred. <laughs> we had, I, I had someone, I got to tell you this, this is funny. Maybe, my wife's not in here to filter me. She's taking, <laughs> she's, she's taking care of Jonathan, so I can't, I, I can't look at her and get the okay. But, uh, go, do it. <laughs> I, it's funny, I had, I know, I'm already there, I might as well go. The, uh, I was having a conversation the other day with someone and they said, you know, you're it's talking about style. They said, yeah, your style is completely different. People talk, you know, the other ministers are just talking about what you're doing and different. And they said, I had to stop for a moment, pause and think about what was happening. And I said, you know what? But that church is reaching their community like that church has never done before. They might look different, but they are doing something. They are reaching people in, in mass. I was in just in April, a hundred decisions for Christ. I want you to think about that. In April alone, we're something. You, you can say what you want, and I said you could. And I, I told the person, well, you could talk about people falling on the floor and laughing and whatever. But those people who are falling on the floor, getting touched by God, are getting lit up and going out and reaching their city. So talk about us if you want, but it's working. They're going out with the fire of God in their belly. There's, they're setting their city ablaze. So go ahead. <laughs> 
this uncommon community. <laughs> uncommon community. My wife comes back in after I tell the story. <laughs> they were diverse in their background, diverse in their, their experiences. But I want to take a look this morning at some of these people that, that might have been there at this triumphant entry. I want to take a look at some of the characteristics. Yeah, there, there were people there for just like this morning. There were, there were people there for different reasons, varying reasons. You know, there were people there, I'm sure, that were looking for Jesus to be the new king. They wanted, they wanted the Roman rule to be over. They wanted Jesus to be their new king, I'm sure. There were people there that wanted Jesus to heal, heal them, to touch them. They had heard the testimonies. They wanted to get a hold of Jesus' garments just like the others. They, they'd heard the stories. I'm sure that there were a lot of reasons, just like there might be this morning. You might be here because somebody made you come. You might be here because someone invited you. You might be here just because it's the thing to do, to go to church on Sundays. Now, who knows why you're here this morning? God does. But, but who knows? Who knows? But... In the middle of it all, God used it and brought this uncommon, diverse community together and began to do something miraculous through it. Let's take a look at some of the people who might have been there. There was Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, and Mary Magdalene. These two, these two Marys had been... They were diverse, their lives were diverse, but they had been so impacted by the ministry of Jesus. I mean, take a look at Mary, the mother of Jesus. She had been following Jesus since she was a youth, and God had used her in a supernatural, divine way to bring forth the Son of God in the earth. And then you had Mary Magdalene, who was just the opposite. She hadn't served God from her youth. She had been possessed by demons. She had been tormented for, for however long in her life. She had been tormented in her mind, tormented in her emotions, controlled by these demons. Mary sang the song in Luke chapter 1. I'm bursting with God news. I'm dancing the song of my Savior God. God took one look at me, and look what happened. I I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. The God whose very name is holy, set apart from all others. His mercy flows in wave after wave on those who are in awe before Him. Yeah, she experienced this wave. Mary wasn't just talking about some nebulous good concept about the mercies of God. She had experienced the wave and wave after wave of the Holy Spirit who conceived Christ in her womb, this immaculate conception born of the Spirit. She knew what she was talking about. This was the, the divine waves of His glory touching her. She was singing her God's song. Yeah. Every one of us need to sing our God's song. Every one of us have been giving a song of heaven, an expression of the glory of God. Yeah, that was what Mary, the mother of Jesus, was doing in the procession. Hosanna, son of David. Hosanna, son of David. She was singing out her God's song. She had, she had given birth to the man who was riding on the donkey. She had watched him grow up. She had watched the, the, the Holy Spirit come upon him at his baptism. She experienced the teaching and the wisdom in the temple. Yeah, this, this woman, this woman singing her God song. You have a song to sing. And then there was Mary Magdalene. She had been delivered from, from demons 
She had been set free. She had a song to sing too. She had a ministry that Jesus had given to her. Matter of fact, we see Mary Magdalene, after she gets set free, after she gets delivered, she follows Jesus' ministry. She even is the first person. She becomes the first evangelist. Think of that. A woman that Jesus chose a woman to reveal himself to. Wow, what a novel idea that Jesus chose a woman and she became the first evangelist. Remember in John, she's at the garden and she sees Jesus. She thinks he's the gardener. And Jesus walks up to her and he says, who are you seeking? And she asks, where have you moved? The Lord? And Jesus, what did Jesus say? Mary. And her heart melted. That moment, I'm sure, that moment in time, her mind raced back to that time where Jesus had spoke her name so long ago, yet it wasn't that long ago. Mary and those demons left her. The evil spirits that had tormented her left her. She was liberated by the power of Christ. No matter where you find yourself today, there is a song bubbling up on the inside of you. Let it come out. Let the song of the Lord, let the sound, the report of the redeemed begin to burp out of you. Let it begin to bubble up out of you. This city needs to hear the sound that's on the inside of you. Just like they did in Acts chapter 2 when they heard the noise of those that were worshiping. Yeah, there's a sound that needs to come on out of you today. Not only was there Mary and uh, Mary Magdalene, I, I'm guessing that blind Bartimaeus was there as well, and the Bethesda paralytic. Blind Bartimaeus, if you remember, obviously he couldn't see. He was blind Bartimaeus, right? He couldn't see, and he was the man by the side of the road that was literally quacking and quaking. The, the, the Greek, he was making quacks and quakes before the Lord. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. That was blind Bartimaeus. Now he finds himself in the procession. Hosanna, Son of David. Hosanna to the King. He's in the procession too. He's in the line laying out his palm branches before the Lord, worshiping Him. And then you have the Bethesda paralytic who was laying by the pools of Bethesda who couldn't get in the water. He was waiting for somebody to come help him into the water. He was waiting for somebody to come along. And Jesus comes on the scene and says, will you be made whole? Today, Christ is still our healer. He's still able to heal you. He can heal you of your spiritual blindness. He can heal you of your physical blindness. He can heal your ears. He can heal your body. He can touch you and make you ever a bit whole. He can touch your inner man. He can touch your mind. He can touch your emotions, spirit, soul, body, every aspect of your life. Christ is able to heal you today. This blind man had his, his medicant coat on. He had his garment, his blind beggar's garment on. And the Bible says when he got up, he took off his garment. He took off his medicant coat. He took off the old way and says, I'm now clothed with Christ. I'm taking off the old man. I'm shedding the garments of yesterday and I'm embracing Christ. He's embraced me. He's made me whole and he's clothed me with his righteousness. Has he clothed you with his righteousness today? Are you 
you clothed with the righteousness of Christ? Are you wearing the wedding garments of Christ? Are you clothed with your father's coat? Remember Joseph. Joseph took on his father's coat. It was a coat of favor. It was a coat of blessing. It was a coat of honor. It was a coat, yeah, that got him tormented and practically killed. It was a coat that brought, that brought uh, trouble in his life. But all along the way, he carried his father's coat all along the way there it wasn't just a garment that he was wearing like I'm wearing today it was a coat that had been placed on him it was a mantle it was a heavenly mantle upon his life there's for you today a heavenly mantle that can be placed on your life there is a there's a healing mantle that can come on you today there's a healing balm the Bible talks about that can come on your life heal your mind heal your emotions heal your marriage Heal, heal your family. Every aspect of your life. Christ is still our healer today. Yes. He still, still can heal you. He can heal you today. And then you had, you had the lame man who was laying, he was laying on his mat. The Pharisees, the religious people got annoyed. They got aggravated because they saw the lame man on the Sabbath day carrying his mat. Think about that. <laughs> Just pause and think. You know, we do the same thing. We're so quick to judge. Oh, they're carrying their mat on the Sabbath day. And we miss. The guy was lame. He couldn't walk. We, it's looking us right in the face. The reality of God is staring us right in the face. And we miss it. The guy was lame, but we're too busy judging him. We're too busy looking at the exterior. We're too busy looking at the style. We're too busy looking at the methodology when the man who was lame is now walking and carrying his mat with him. You know, it's interesting. We had, you know, we had Night of Hope um, Wednesday. Was it Wednesday? Yeah, we had Night of Hope Wednesday. Yeah, I think it all blends together these days. Two Wednesdays ago, okay. It all blends together. Yeah, that's right. I preached on Philippians 2 Wednesday. Um, that's, that's how I kind of paced my, what did I preach? What, what meeting was I in? So we had one of our, it's so awesome. And if you miss, you, you can miss, you can miss the awesomeness of God in the, in the smallest details. We have this man that's been coming Tonight of hope for I don't know how since the beginning, and uh, he I, we had this new vendor here. It was so funny. I had not met this this community service. They were with Anthem. I had not met them. Anthem Blue Cross, and they were giving out free stuff. And so I went over and I met them, and I said, "Well, how did you hear about us?" Oh, some guy that comes to your church by the name of Jack, and uh, I said, "Jack, Jack, we I don't Jack." I started, I started going through our church roster in my head, Jack. I'm like, who's, so I'm looking at Mandy, who's standing a part of this conversation, Jack. And then she gave me the look, like, Jack, Jack, who's been coming tonight of hope since the beginning, who hasn't darkened the doors of a church in however many years, doesn't want to go to church, calls himself an atheist, doesn't want anything to do with church, but he comes every month tonight of hope. And he tells Anthem Blue Cross, oh yeah, this is my church. The Celebration Church is my church. That's where I go. He hasn't come to a service. I'm a, who cares? You know, I'm sitting there thinking, who cares this guy hasn't come to a service yet? He's getting ready to. He doesn't know he is. 
But he's coming in and every month he's getting ministered to. He's, he's, got, he's got a ministry to his biker friends. And he's, he's doing the work of an evangelist and doesn't even know it. He's not even born again. He doesn't even know. He doesn't know what he's doing. He has no clue what he's doing. But he's, he's here and he's under the influence. He's under the influence. <laughs> he's under the influence of the Spirit of God in this place. He's under the influence of the tangible presence of God in this place. Doesn't even know it. And he's going out telling all of his biker friends they need to come to Night of Hope because they need to get their skull caps for their biker ministry. <laughs> and Kathy Ripple, of all people, has started a biker cap ministry. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> it may look different. I'm telling you. I've, and I've been, I've, I've been around a lot of different scenario, evangelism scenarios, and I've seen the city, and we, you know, remember, we're from New Orleans. I've seen the weird situations. But I have to tell you, I've never seen that. I've never, I've never witnessed that happen where a guy is sold out that this is his church, and he's telling everybody this is his church, but refuses to come to a service because he doesn't want anything to do with God. But this is his church. And so... And he's a member. That was the other thing. He's a member here, too. <laughs> we have a lot of those. <laughs> a totally different scenario, though. But, but methods look totally different. The religious people would sit back and say, oh, he's not a member of my church. Did you see how he's dressed? He looks, he looks like and smells like he hasn't taken a bath in a while. Smells like a little bit of dried alcohol. He doesn't, doesn't look like I... Hallelujah. He's on his way to an encounter with yes. Christ like he's never known. Yes. The lame man was walking. The lame man was walking. They were in the procession. There's going to be a day, I just, I just believe, he's, our friend Jack's going to be in the procession. <laughs> there's there's going to be a day, Jack's going to be in the procession. There's a lot of people... There's a lot of people. We've been here, what, 4,000 people? 4,000 people through Night of Hope in two years? Who knows? Even if 5% of those. We don't know who we're affecting. We're the fragrance of Christ in a lost and dying world. We're, we're a triumphant procession. Well, pastor, it looks, there are days where it looks like it's a, it's a you know, David's mighty men kind of crowd. It's, you know, a bunch of... <laughs> you know, just compiled, thrown together group that doesn't look like they know what they're doing or how we're doing it. We just kind of show up and everything happens. We don't, and then there's other days we look like we've been doing this for, you know, a long time and we're in love with Jesus and everything just flows together. Hey, that's uncommon community. Yes. It's uncommon community. It's God taking a bunch of misfits and blending us together, building us together into a holy habitation. Who else was in this procession? Who else might have been there? You had Judas and Stephen. You had Judas who was being repulsed by the extravagance. You had Judas who even the, the shouting out and the extravagance of the palm branches and the donkey and everything that was happening would have been way too much for him. We don't need to go to this extreme, Jesus. 
I mean, really, are you that valuable? Is what he was saying in his heart. Is it really that valuable? Is all of the extreme measures here, is it really, are you really that valuable? Remember the woman in John chapter 12, Mary of Bethany, Judas' response to her was, why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? It's such extravagance, Lord. It's extreme. He was repulsed. He was repelled by the extravagance. And then you had Stephen. Stephen, who became one of the early church leaders. He was a deacon. He was a man that was waiting tables, preaching the gospel, having signs and wonders happen all around him. That wasn't Stephen's response. Stephen was looking at the situation and saying, our God is bigger than all of this. He's riding, Jesus is riding on a donkey, but there's coming a day he's going to ride in on a white stallion with all of the armies of the Lord following after him. Our God is bigger than all of this. This is what Stephen said in Acts chapter 7. He said, yet the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands, as the prophet says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered. You who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Yeah, this, this was the best win friends and influence people sermon there ever was. This was, this was the best how to win people and, and, and make them your best friend message. How to, how to make people feel better about themselves. You murderers. You thieves. You killed the righteous one. You won't hear this kind of preaching in, in Bible college today. They tell you don't do this kind of stuff. But he's preaching under the anointing. Under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Preaching and teaching truth. Confronting them with the reality. Our God is too big. Don't be offended by the extravagance. But let it draw you like Stephen. It, it compelled him in. It drew him in. He, he was captivated by the extravagance of our God. It was true worship. True worship is extravagant worship. Yeah. It's giving everything that you have and laying it on the altar. I'm not talking about position of, of, of body, you know, uh, you know, style of worship, whether you wait, raise your hands or you jump, you down. All of those things are going to be byproducts of what you lay on the altar. Yeah. The, the extravagance of your worship is laying yourself on the altar. When you don't feel like it, I'm going to worship the Lord anyway. When, I, when I've had a rough week, He's still worthy. Yeah. When, when people around me aren't going the same direction, I'm still going to worship the Lord. Yeah. 
He's worthy of everything. Though, though my life is complicated right now, the season of life might be complicated right now that you're experiencing, Jesus is still worthy. Jesus is still worthy of all of your worship. Extravagant worship. Lord, I worship you. Spirit, soul, body, the heart, my strength, my mind, my emotions, everything that I am worships you. When you come into a corporate setting where people are worshiping, are you offended by the extravagance? Well, we should, we should put them in the back off to the side. We shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't allow them to get too out of hand. I mean, after all, we want to be an evangelistic church. We don't want to offend people, right? We want people to come in. We don't want them to be offended by our worship. So let's just put all of the real worshipers in the back. And then we'll put the dignified worshipers up front. And not, we don't want to offend anybody. You all are getting quiet up in here today. Good preaching, Pastor. Yes, amen. We don't want the extravagance. That's what, isn't that what happened with Judas? Isn't that the attitude of Judas? When you exchange worship for dignity, you'll exchange Christ for your resources. When you exchange worship for your dignity, you'll exchange Christ for resources. It'll be easy It'll be easy to betray him. Well, after all, we don't want the extravagance. After all, I don't want the extreme. After all, I don't want to live in a passionate place. I'm okay being lukewarm. I don't want to be passionate. I'm open, but I'm not passionate. I'm open, but I'm not. That's what people say in church. I'm open to it, but I'm not passionate. I'm open to a move of God, but I'm not hungry for it. I'm open to God bringing a, an awakening to our region, but, but I'm not really hungry for it. It's, it's a bit extreme, don't you think, Pastor? I mean, it's a bit extreme that we have to preach the power of Pentecost. It's a bit extreme that we have to be, uh, be spirit-filled in our daily life, and we can't live carnally during the week. It's, it's a bit extreme. I mean, after all, I want to compromise and do what I want to do. You see, when you start talking about extravagance, either you've got the real or you don't. Yeah. Mary either had the real thing or she didn't. Mary of Bethany either meant business or she didn't. Yeah. She was going to bring her sacrifice that cost her everything. It cost her her dignity. It cost her her money, her resources. It cost her everything to come in and in that home when Jesus was reclining next to Lazarus and begin to pour out her perfume on Jesus' feet. It wasn't something she could just do and go on about her carnal life. She couldn't go on and compromise anymore. She, she had made a public statement. She had made a public declaration. I'm following Christ. He's mine and I am His. I'm in love with Him and He's in love with me. It changed everything. You see, people don't want to be extreme. They don't want to step into a place of extravagance because they know all of a sudden their life has to line up with what they're preaching and saying on Sundays. 
Y'all are getting quiet in here. Preaching truth this morning. Are you like Judas being repulsed by the extravagant? Hosanna! I mean, you're talking about Jerusalem, the Passover feast. There were thousands of people in the city. Let's stop that. We don't need the city to be in uproar. We don't need the city to be in upheaval. We don't, need to, we don't need to make that, that big of a scene. We don't need to make a public impact. We don't, we don't need, I mean, Jesus, after all, you're the, you're the humble suffering servant, right? We don't need to do all of this. Or like Stephen being drawn in. Yeah, our God is bigger than all of this. This, the, this can't even begin to scratch the surface of how great our God is. You can't exaggerate him. You can't exaggerate God and all of his goodness and all of his mercies and all of his ways, all of his loving kindness. Oh, if you just begin to just begin to scratch the surface. If you look at Stephen's message in Acts 7, when, when he was before all of the religious leaders. I mean, he, went, he started at Abraham and went all the way through. You can't even begin to exaggerate the goodness of God. Yeah, yeah. Who else was in this procession? You had the little lad, the little boy who gave his lunch. You had Zacchaeus. Two little people. <laughs> <laughs> They had a big vision, though. You had the little boy who just had his lunch, the fish and the bread. Here you go, Jesus. I'll give you, I'll give you what I have. I'll give you my insignificance. I'll give you, I'll give you my, my insignificant lunch because I'm going to feast on you. I know that you're going you're gonna to take this lunch. You're going to multiply it. You're going to bless it. And I'm going to feast on Christ. He's become my substance. He's become my sustaining grace. He's become my spiritual delight. Yeah. And then you had Zacchaeus who thought he had it all and realized in one encounter with Christ he was the poorest of them all. He thought he owned it all. He had been successful. He had earthly success. He had money. He had wealth. He had fame. But one moment in the presence of Christ and he realized he was the poorest around. It sounds to me like what Jesus said to the Laodicean church. You think. You sound, you, you sound good. You think that you have rich and wealth and resources. You think that you have everything and are in need of nothing, but what you don't realize is that you're wretched and miserable and blind and poor and naked. You've got nothing. One moment in His presence you realize, I'm nothing without Him. He is my substance. He is my sustenance. He sustains my life. On Christ I feast. He's able to sustain you through success. You might be looking for success. You might be, be looking for your name and lights. You might be looking for successful business. You might be looking for a successful family. You might be looking for success in your finances. Christ is more than all of that. He can sustain you. You can feast on Him. Amen. And He will give you fullness of life. If you're looking for acceptance today, look to Christ. He's able to sustain you when no one else will accept you, when your friends reject you, when your family turns their back on you. Christ will sustain you. Yes. He is able in the midst of your relationship 
When your family might be falling apart, your marriage might be falling apart, Christ is able to sustain you. He took this tax collector and he took the little boy and he made them a part of his uncommon community. And then there was Lazarus. There was Lazarus in this procession. This was a recent encounter. Lazarus hadn't been that long ago. And then there was the widow of Nain and her son. Remember the widow of Nain? She had lost her husband and she had lost her only son. She was, on, she was in this funeral procession. She was on her way to bury her son. And she was probably on her way to be in debt never be able to take care of herself. Her dignity was gone. The son of her honor was gone. Her husband was gone. She had nothing. She had lost it all. And Jesus, this procession of death and procession of life meet. Jesus walks up to the casket and he pulls up the boy. He says, little boy, I said, you're right. And he gets up and he talks and he gives this boy, the only son, back to her mom. And then there's Lazarus. Lazarus had been dead. He stunk. You remember the story. Jesus wanted to stay when he heard that he was sick. He let him die. Jesus comes back and he says in John chapter 11, verses 25 through 26, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I wonder what it was like. You know, I've never been dead and live again. <laughs> I'm talking physically. I've never, I've never been, I've never had my body embalmed and laid in a tomb come up out of the, I, I've never had that happen. Maybe you have, I don't know. But I've never had that happen. <laughs> I've, I've never been there before. I've been healed. Yeah. I've, I've seen the healing power of God at work in my life. I've seen the salvation work of God at work in my life. I've, I've, thank God I've never been possessed by devils, but I've seen demon possessed get liberated. I've seen people controlled out of their mind, out, literally out of their mind get delivered from devils and come back into their right mind. I've, I've seen that many times. I've seen, I've seen the sick get healed. I've watched cancer disappear. I've, watched, I've seen the tangible presence of God. I've seen things. I've seen AIDS leave people's body. I've seen the tangible presence of the Lord heal people. I've seen it. And I thank the Lord for that. But I've never, I've never, been, I've never watched the dead raised. I've, you know, someday I might pull a Smith Wigglesworth at your funeral. I might show up and pull you out of your casket. You never know. <laughs> I've never, I've never seen the dead raised. I've never experienced that personally. Don't raise me from the dead. If I'm dead, leave me dead. I'm going to be in a much better place, unless the Lord tells you. If he tells you, then do what he says. He obviously is not done. But I wonder what it was like. They're in this procession. Lazarus, the widow's son, is in this procession. Hosanna, son of David. Lazarus knows something everybody else doesn't know. 
Oh, they're, they're shouting, come save us. Oh, yeah, they're, they're singing out. They're singing their song. They're shouting out. But I've tasted it. I've experienced it for myself. He is the resurrection and the life. He really is who he says he is. They, they, can, they can all sing it and say it, but I've been there. I was dead. I was in the ground. And I heard the voice of Jesus, Lazarus! I heard him calling out to me in that dead place. You can talk about it, but I've experienced it. I don't know if there's anybody this morning that's in the procession of the Lord who can say that. You can talk about it, but I've experienced it. You can, you can talk about how good God is, but I've experienced his goodness. You can, you can talk about the saving grace of God, but I've experienced it. You can talk about Bible doctrine and concepts and ideas, but I've tasted and experienced it. And who he says he is, he really is. He really is a good God. He really is a merciful God. He really is a healing God. He really is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Spirit. He really is the giver of the gifts of the Spirit. He really is the justifier of those who come to Him by faith. He really is the Savior of the world. He really is the radiance of God. He really is the outshining. He really is the, the, the outshining of the radiance of the glory of the Father. He really is ruling all things by the word of His power. He really is my heavenly intercessor. I'm just going to preach somebody happy this morning. He really is. I'll just keep going. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> In him we live. In him we move. In him we have our being. He brings purpose to your dead life. Maybe you're here this morning. You feel like I don't have purpose. I don't have direction. I'm aimless, aimlessly wandering through life. Don't waste what God's given to you. I don't have purpose. I don't know where I'm headed. Don't waste it. Same Jesus that spoke life into Lazarus speaks life to you today. Gives you purpose. Gives you direction. How many of you would say death probably clutters things up a little bit? Probably really complicates that whole purpose thing. I mean, just think about it. I'm not, I'm not being super spiritual. I'm just the reality. Death probably com complicates. You, you can't go back. Once you're dead, you can't go back and change what you did or didn't do. This life is the dressing room for eternity. It's preparation for what's to come. Hallelujah. Uncommon community. An uncommon community. Is it possible? Is it really possible that Jesus could use me? Is it really possible that Jesus could use you? Is it, is it really true? Is it, is it really possible that he could do what he said he would do? Is it really possible that, that he could take the misfits, the brokenness, the hurt, the anxieties, the fears? Is it really possible? Yes. Is, it, is it really true, Jesus, that you can take the reprobate and display your glory? Is it really true that you could take the worst of sinners and work miracles through them? Is it really true that you could take the most broken 
emotional mess of a person and restore them and utilize them for your glory. Oh, I think it's true. I don't, I don't just think, I know. I know, I've watched, we see it in Scripture, it's echoed for us today. Through the ages of time, it's echoed for us today. He'll take the brokenness of your life. He'll take the confusion of your life. He'll take the hurt of your life. He'll take the sin of your life. He'll take all the areas that you don't want anybody to know about. And through them, He builds an uncommon community and displays His glory. You may not, let me wrap up with this. You can stand with me. You may not like the person you're sitting next to. If you're sitting next to your spouse, I hope you do. If it's a family member, who knows? You may not like the person across the road from you. You may not like what they said or they did. You may not like their style. You may not like how they dress or smell. You may not like how they talk. You may think they say y'all too much. (laughs) He's building an uncommon community. And my, my response to that is not to nitpick. I like that, I don't like that, I like this, I like that, I wish they do that differently. I mean, let's just face reality. If we sat around long enough, we'd all find something that we don't like about somebody or something. But we come together in unity. He, he builds us together in unity. This, this supernatural community builds us together, forming us brick upon brick brick upon brick to display His glory. Don't let the commotion of the world keep you out of the procession of Christ. Don't let the commotion of what's happening around you keep you out of being in the triumphant procession. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you this morning. Lord, I thank you this morning for this great uncommon community. Lord, this supernatural fellowship. Lord, that you've taken the hurting, the broken, the misfits. Those that nobody would have ever thought you could do anything with. You're blending us making us forming us pressing us together into this wonderful community Lord I pray for my friends and that are here today Lord that maybe they don't know you maybe they're not a part of this supernatural heavenly community how is it between you and the Lord today how is it between you and Jesus today How is it between you and Jesus today? Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. 
For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.